One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Hello, my friends. This is Yowie Central. Welcome to the show. I'm Sarah. Thank you for your patience last week, my friends. I've got a new computer and I've got it all sorted and I'm raring to go this week. I have actually had a fascinating mind-expanding two weeks. Apart from the technical glitches, I was contacted by a listener of the show who happens to be a shamanic healer, a shaman, and he's also fascinatingly, an exorcist. He was motivated to reach out to me as he's had a Yowie sighting, but he also wanted to share his knowledge on the paranormal beings and entities that people are coming across out there lately and that we've been discussing on the show for quite some time. And so he wanted to offer you listeners uh, a message of reassurance and hope. We had an amazing four-hour conversation about his shamanic healing, his training and his work. We talked about the dreaming and about Gabu Ted Thomas and we talked about exorcism and about soul retrieval and about so many other things. But he also performed a shamanic healing on me and he removed a negative attachment that's been making me miserable, depressed and anxious for a very long time. And let me tell you, my friends, afterwards and in the two weeks since, I have felt absolutely amazing. I haven't felt like this for such a long time. I feel light. I feel energized. I feel grounded. It's just amazing. It's actually blown my mind, the difference I feel now. His name is Daryl and he'll be listening to this show. So huge shout out to Daryl and a big hug and a big heartfelt thank you from me for your healing. He's going to come on the show soon to share those words of wisdom that he wanted to share with you. And I'm really excited to bring that to you in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. You might remember a few shows back that my special guests were Stephen and Evan Strong of Our Alien Ancestry. I am honoured to have been invited to present with them an online conference on July the 31st about my favourite subject, of course, Yowies and Little People. The conference will also showcase Leah Capitelli and Uncle Donnie Fermore of Our Alien Ancestry as well. The tickets are 26 bucks, and you can get them on the Our Alien Ancestry website and I also posted a link on the Yowie Central Facebook page. So grab your tickets and tune in on July the 31st. Now to today's show. I've got a cracker lined up for you. We're heading to the Caper Tea Valley in New South Wales for a 
frightening experience with a mysterious invisible force that my guest, Paul, thought was going to crush him to death in August 2019. And weirdly enough, I also interviewed someone yesterday who had an invisible but audible as in heavy bipedal footsteps, visitor in the Caper Tea Valley a few years back too. So, hmm, something strange going up there in that Caper Tea Valley. If you live up that way and you've had something strange happen up there, please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you. Paul also had a couple of other strange stories to tell. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Here's Paul. <laughs> I've been looking forward to chatting to you about your Blue Mountains experience. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I want to head back there again. I just want to get someone else's thoughts because everything I've googled doesn't equate to what happened. If that makes sense. All right. So why don't you tell me the whole story from beginning to end in as much detail as you can, and then we'll have a chat about it afterwards. Okay. Radio. Well, so this was in August 2019. We were doing a trip around the whole of Blue Mountains, um, basically just exploring, not doing anything, not going anywhere in particular, just pick an intersection, turn left and right until we found somewhere that was good. So one evening we, and I'm not 100% on the, pronunciation, but it's I think it's Kurunguba Campground. It's in the Karpati Valley. We decided it was a good spot. Uh, very windy, lots of kangaroos, and I pretty meant, pretty certain there was a few wombats and stuff around. So we picked a spot to set up camp, and just because I was deliberately trying to have an animal come close to our a campsite, I deliberately parked up, set my stretcher and swag up on a, a animal trail that led down into a fairly deep uh, dry creek riverbed. So nothing particularly exciting about that, but I also do shift work. So I'm, I do the night shifts and day. your sort of body clock does get used to it a little bit. So about two o'clock in the morning, I'm still pretty wide awake because if I was at work and not on holidays, I would have been doing a night shift. So I just couldn't sleep. Just the body clock was saying, keep on working sort of thing. And I'm laying there just listening to the wind and I'm facing away from the creek bed. And I'm just, uh, I've laid there for a couple of hours. This is getting to probably about quarter past two in the morning, somewhere around about there. And I just happened to, you know, just as you do, just rolled over into swag and faced towards the creek bed. Now, at that time, I also noticed that I hadn't noticed facing the other way. The, the moon was very, was quite a bright moon. So within, I reckon, a very short time, it felt like only... A minute or two, but it could have been a slightly bit longer. I'm laying there and I could feel myself starting to get crushed and pushed. It felt like I was getting pushed off the stretcher down towards the creek bed. And it was pretty strong, but it didn't actually feel like there was any particular spot it was pushing on me, but I was using all my force with my uh, right knee and my right arm pushing against the side of the the stretcher bed, trying to stop me from getting pushed over. I It was just getting stronger and stronger, and because it was a fairly moonlit night, it was actually coming through the swag. I, I actually turned my head and I could see, but I noticed that the swag wasn't getting pushed in at the same time. And it got to the point where I basically told it to F off and uh, get off me. And then it just 
fairly suddenly got a lot stronger to the point where I really could not breathe and I was really struggling and I was trying to yell out to my mate who was uh, probably two metres away in his swag, but as I said, it was a really windy night. You, but uh, and it was getting pretty to the point where I actually, on my last breath, I could not breathe. I was thinking, this is it, I'm starting to black out. And I just got out and less than I'm even talking now, just help me. And that's and as soon as I said that, it just released. I sort of composed myself and turned back faced the the camp area, so not facing the riverbed. Thinking I just had no idea what that was. And I who I just got the nerve to unzip the swag and look out and it was a very moonlit night. I could actually see kangaroos in the distance feeding and stuff like that. And the weird thing was, even after that, I actually did not feel scared. It was a strange feeling. And, like, I'll call myself a scaredy camper where you go, because we've all seen and uh, come across some things that are not normal in the Australian bush. So, if you get up and go to the toilet, you're usually flashing a torch around or something like that. But this, I just got up, walked around, just in the moonlit, fixed up the awning on the on the car because it was, you know, the wind was starting to blow it over, and walked around quite comfortably without any torch. I wasn't scared, and after about half an hour of just walking around, sitting, watching the kangaroos, I hopped back into bed and actually fell asleep again quite easily, or fell asleep quite easily. Even the next night when we went down towards uh, Kangaroo Valley, you know, about an hour or so down further, um, the same thing happened. I was quite relaxed. I felt no fear or no thinking, oh, you know, I need to go to the toilet, I need better grab a torch or anything like that, nothing. It was just a... I felt very calm for some reason for those two nights. Um, and, yeah, that's sort of about it. Wow, how strange. <laughs> that's really strange. What a strange experience. Yeah. Um, did you did, – sorry, go on. Yeah, I Googled what it could be when I, while I was there and I, and I come across that, the sleep paralysis, but nothing of it seemed the same it's like it's the only thing I can put it it's the closest thing I can put it down to but I could physically move I, I was bracing my knee and my arm against the swag or against the stretcher and and I could turn my head quite easily because I looked over my shoulder and saw that the swag itself wasn't getting pushed in to my knowledge, I've got no Aboriginal blood in me, but it it actually did feel tribal, for, for want of a better word. It was almost like, yeah, uh, we don't particularly want you here. Please leave. But it was like, yeah, I put up enough of a fight for it to say whatever it was, one, but uh, we respect your, your effort and... Uh, yeah, it left me alone. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm struggling for answers. Well, it's it's sort of. Oh, let me go. Well, let's go through that. We'll go through it over again. And I'll ask a few questions, and then I'll give you my thoughts on it. I don't have any answers. I wish I did, but I don't. But I've got a yep. few ideas. When you noticed first, noticed that pushing, crushing sensation, was it all over your body, or is it just in certain areas of your body? From memory, it was more middle of the torso, but it didn't feel like hands. It felt like a, a a section that basically went from my hip up through to my arm area, sort of. It was that whole whole area was getting crushed. Was it a feeling of pressure to crush or push you out of the way? I would say push me out of the way 
and because I was fighting back, it turned into, into a crush. And when I told it to F off, then it became a crush. Yeah, right. And did it feel hot or cold or, or just neutral? Uh, neutral. And it didn't feel like there were hands or anything else pushing no. you? It was just a, a strange yeah, just a pressure. Pr- strange pressure, yeah, like, like someone wrapping me up in a small blanket. Sort of, yeah, and squeeze Right, but it wasn't. So it's, but you could feel it, but it wasn't crushing or pushing your swag. No, no. And the force that was pushing me on, really, it actually should have even pushed the whole stretcher and swag over, but it didn't. So I was, yeah, I'm. I'm pretty solid, strong guy, and it was taking every ounce of my strength to brace against it. So if it was something pushing from the outside, it probably should have really just pushed the swag down the down into the creek bed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you would have seen you would have seen movement if it was actually physically something yes. pressing you, but you couldn't yeah. see anything there at all, could you? No, no, and as I said, the swag was fairly fairly lit up because of the moon, so I could actually see my, you know, basically the whole swag inside of it. Yeah, the moon was coming through quite bright, and yeah, the the swag did not move one bit at all. And you hadn't been asleep because you you mentioned in your email too that you you actually were struggling to fall asleep. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely haven't been asleep. Um, <laughs> the wind sort of was keeping me awake and uh, my friend who was camping about two metres away, he was snoring quite loudly, so that was keeping me. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like sleep paralysis to me. I'm not an expert, but my, my own experience is that it's it's in that half awake, half asleep state yeah. and it's usually just as I'm falling asleep or just as I'm waking up, usually more, more often than not just as I'm falling asleep but uh, it can't, but it's, it's been both and it's a sensation of, and I'm usually dreaming something at the same time but sort of half aware that I'm, I'm not entirely asleep and it usually is a sensation of suddenly either being chased by something or needing to desperately move in my dream or my astral travel, whatever's going on there, and feeling like I can't move anything and I can't even voice, like I, I've, I've woken up trying to shout, trying to scream, and, yeah. and but not, it's almost like a, it's like it's, it's, you're desperately trying to push a noise out and, and it's not really coming out. Yeah. From what happened to you, though, it doesn't sound particularly like sleep paralysis because one, you you were pretty sure you're awake. It, yeah, it do, it doesn't sound like sleep paralysis to me. What it did remind me of, and I mentioned this in my email to you, it reminded me of my guest from from Yowie Central episode eighty four. I think I I think I wrote that down. James, he described. Hey, did you listen to it? Yes. Yeah. yeah I a couple of. Oh probably two months ago or something like that, yeah. Yeah, and so it reminded me of that experience where the Aboriginal fella in the bunk above him was being punished by Aboriginal spirits. Yes. And the bunk was being pushed down. Yep. And he could hear this guy crying out and and the, the, the elder Aboriginal men who were there said, you just come over here and he's he's... He's getting punished, but he'll be fine, and you'll be fine too. Just come over here with us. Yeah. It sort of reminded me of that. Yes, as soon as I heard that, I thought the same thing for me. So maybe potentially it was a spirit, an Aboriginal spirit, yeah. Yeah. ancestor spirit from from along from that region, and maybe you were inadvertently sleeping in a sacred place or. Somewhere, oh, look, somewhere where you weren't supposed to be. It's a, it's a huge, big camping area, and but I think, yeah, uh, maybe the fact that I deliberately parked over an animal trail, and that might be it. 
path? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's yes. Potentially, potentially, if it's if it's a path of energy flow or a ley line or something like that. Although you probably probably would have noticed more uneasiness and not that sense of calm if you were yeah set up yeah. over a ley line. Yeah. Um, and you didn't notice any smell or noise. No, 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 no noise, no footsteps, no, uh, no smell. As I said, the, the I probably would have not thought about it that much and would have blamed it on sleep paralysis, apart from the fact that when I, after that happened, you'd think. Oh shit! I'm I'm scared. I'm not. I'm scared to open the the swag and have a look out. I felt extremely calm. Not brave's not quite the word, but uh, I'll use the word brave. And I had no qualms just unzipping it, looking around, walking around, just using the moonlight, and and that went on to the next next night as well. Um, same thing. We were camped, and I just felt. A abnormal sense of calm. Yeah, that, and that's that also makes me think that there's something paranormal or spiritual, metaphysical involved in this situation because of that. And and in your words, abnormal calm. Like normally, if you've had something that sounds like a frightening experience, I mean, you, you feel like you're being crushed to death and you can't breathe, and you and you feel like this is your last moment. You're going to yeah. die. That's that's a terrifying thing to happen. So to to be not the next day and the next two days not feeling disturbed, feeling strangely calm. With within minute, I was once it released, I turned back over and laid there and thought, "Hmm, what was that?" And then, yeah, within a very short time, I was out of the swag walking around. Like, yeah, I. I would have thought, and it did, it, I could not breathe. I thought that was the last breath I could ever breathe. I was really, that was, it really got me crushed um, towards the end. And I would have thought I'd be, if something like that had happened, I would have been trying to wake up the other guy, you know, get up, wake up the other guy, something's attacked me. I had none of that at all. And did you have any bruises on your body the next day? Any marks? Didn't look. I stupidly didn't look, and I, but I don't think so. I don't remember any sore spots or anything like that. You probably, you know, listen. You know, it, it, you probably wouldn't have. It's because it sounds like a spiritual attack rather than an actual physical attack. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've, I've been in the wrong spot at the right time. Um, but as I said, I. I would love to have some, but I do not have, to my knowledge, any Aboriginal history in my family that I know of. But the other strange thing, and it's it's actually seemed to have died off since I've had this, I'll call it, um, incident. I used to go to the Grampians, stuff like that, and I'd feel a real pull in certain spots in the Grampians and feel a... a a totally different person certain parts of the Grampians. Like we're talking right up in the very back where no one else goes. And I've just recently yeah, there's actually Aboriginal cave uh, painting hidden up in the very back where we were. Uh, Aboriginal cave, cave paintings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Do the, do the rangers know they're there? Yes. Yeah. 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 But we'll, we'll keep them a secret from the tourists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, on a, it's on a fair few maps. That I've I've purchased since for the Grampians. I've noticed. Oh, hang on, it's yeah, it's uh, it's on. It's actually written, but it's very hard to find still. And but I and I haven't tried to find them. When when I was first when I'd first go to the Grampians, you'd you'd feel I'd go through a certain area, and you'd, you'd I'd feel in my a picture in my head of Aboriginal people who would have been sitting in one of the overhangs from many years ago, not not a recent picture but a, a long picture from a long time ago and they'd be you know, driving through a, a gully somewhere and there'd be a ravine on each side 
and in my mind I'd see Aboriginal people with a spear of actually, of all things, looking down at me as we were driving through. But that was just a, but I don't actually get that feeling anymore. I've lost that ability. That's interesting. It sounds like you have some kind of a, uh, like a, a clairvoyance or a, or a, a spiritual connection where you where you you see visions of maybe scenes from the past only in that one or two spots right up in the very back of the grandkids I don't get it anywhere else that's really interesting but but it's happened more than once or just that time we've been to that area probably three four times before we went to the blue mountains Happened each time we went there, but I, I've been there since the Blue Mountains incident, and I don't think I get it anymore. Well, maybe you you might not have Aboriginal heritage, but you might have been in a past life. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you believe in reincarnation. I do, but um, you 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 might have a connection there in a past life. Yeah, yeah. I, as I say, I'd, I'd I'd like to say I've got some Aboriginal. Because I think they've they've got a lot more knowledge to, about this world than we'll ever know. And but yeah, I, but uh, unfortunately, to my knowledge, yeah, I haven't got any any uh, any blood that I know of. It could just be that that there those particular sites are the veil is thin there for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, it could be ley line related, or it could be sacred site related. Uh, or could just be that you're a particularly sensitive person and you're picking up on that it's always there and you're particularly sensitive to it or have yeah. been at different times in your life. Yes, that might yeah. be, yeah, yeah, it might be, yeah, it might be at certain times in my life and, or maybe this is totally out there, but I normally, I can remember this story and, as I said, it happened in 2019. I remembered like it happened yesterday so very clearly and I've told other people and I remember details but in this last week since I've contacted you it's it's not as clear in my mind for some reason that's that's odd maybe yeah. you needed to get it off your chest or maybe you're not meant to tell anybody <laughs> oops uh, <laughs> too uh, late that, it does actually feel like it's something was saying don't you're not meant to yeah, this is, uh, yeah, just do not mention this, but I need to know because I'd love to go back there. I don't know whether I'll have the nerve to camp there again. That does scare me a bit, even though, as I said, I felt brave afterwards, but it was like that may have been a, a warning and if you come back here and sleep again, uh, it might not be as nice the second time around. Potentially, yeah. yeah, potentially. It would be interesting to speak to some of the local original Australians from that particular area. Maybe yeah. they know Maybe they know about that particular spot, if there's something unusual about that particular place. I'd feel very awkward. I feel like uh, I feel like it'd be annoying them more than um, like... It just doesn't feel like a something that I should bother them with, if that makes sense. I, I need, I'd love to know, but um, yeah, I'm not certain whether it's something I should be or have the permission to talk to them about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe if if anyone, when I do put this on the show, if anyone, any of the listeners out there, have any ideas to contribute as to what exactly was going on there and and you know if, if anyone has any bright ideas of of what that might have been yeah then yeah. maybe they can get in touch with me and I'll pass them on to you yeah that would be awesome that that's probably that was my um, reasoning for getting in touch and having to talk to you about uh, this particular incident like I've had we've had a fair few good yowie incidents and and stuff like that, but yeah, this was a more one I wanted to talk to someone about and try to get a 
a handle on what happened or different ideas of what it could have been. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to tell me about the Yowie incidents too. I mean, I was going to ask you what's happening down there in, in Canadian because our the lovely witness who reported the Mount Warren Heap sighting, he... Is that 1977 or something? Wasn't yeah. It? So he's yep. had recent, uh, recent activity there with his grandchildren. Um, he's actually seen, had a, at least one sighting out there in the last kind of when did I speak to him about this? Within the last two years anyway, but I think this year, if I remember correctly, but I have to, time's a bit blurry at the moment with the pandemic, yeah. so yeah. I can't yeah. remember exactly when he contacted me, but it wasn't that long ago to let me know There's he's found very unusual tree structures, wood knocks while he's out there, and uh, and he actually did spot them, spot really? one in the distance running, yeah, when he had his two grandkids in the car. So that's just down there in Canadian. Because Canadians are very busy with people and mountain bikes and motorbikes. So I'm, I'll, if you get a rough idea of where it would, is, I could, could you just message me roughly where it may be? Because Canadians are reasonably big area. But um, yeah, well, where that Canadians on the east side of Ballarat. We're having some cool fun with some things a little bit out of Ballarat on the west side. After the windstorm that went through in November, the friend of mine was out just exploring the bush, looking at all the trees down, and just happened to notice, again, after listening to one of your uh, episodes, of course, um, about the sticks in the ground. And he followed them for oh, a good two hours and they just kept on going and going and going and he basically gave up but he could follow them for a fair way and we've been out there a few more times and found them in different areas. So what he ended up doing, um, he put some, he cut two sticks and placed them crossed on a path and when he went back there the next week, they were laying parallel and um, always about 20 centimetres apart. It's happened about 11 times now. That's interesting. And, yeah, so it, uh, but just in the last oh, about a month, yeah, they've, I think they've moved on because, yeah, we're not getting any, any interaction anymore with the sticks so they don't get moved. Right, and usually, usually you can tell it's a dead giveaway if something has been placed there. If something is parallel, if the sticks are parallel, I wonder yeah. what, what sort of were they smaller sticks, larger sticks? The the ones in the ground or the ones we placed. The ones in the ground were about finger size, and usually about fifty centimeters long on average. And but. The interesting thing was, and we didn't pick up on this straight away, but the ends are just about always cut straight, almost like second tiers but not a second tier cut. Um, we tried breaking sticks and we couldn't get them to break straight. They'd always splinter and break and and uh, do st- things. Yes, yeah, so I don't know how they can break them so they're almost straight across. Almost, and but not quite. Like it could be, if it's cut, then it, it sounds more like human activity. Yeah, but uh, these sticks, like we've walked from a, uh, probably two or three k's away from a, a road and followed them in through bracken and stuff like that, and there'll be one sitting in, in a bracken um, patch so you know it, it can't actually fall from a tree because there was actually physically no trees there. Um, it wasn't even a trail, so we just happened to see the sticks sticking up through the through the in the middle of the bracken. Um, so we've we placed a camera up there around that area, not to catch the yowie because I I don't expect we would, 
but more to prove or disprove whether it was human because the human wouldn't notice the camera. And, um, yeah, no, never never saw anybody. We left the camera out there for now a month and there's not one person walked out through that way at all. Yeah, so that sort of discounts that possibility. Yeah, especially yeah. And especially if you're finding sticks pushed into the ground but there's no trees anywhere where they could have fallen yeah. from and speared themselves in. Yes, yep. Yeah. And the... The thing is, like, the sticks, because they're only a finger thickness, we try to push them back in the ground. It's impossible. You, they, they just snap or, yeah, I don't know what force it would take to push a stick 10 centimetres into the ground each and every time in different types of soil. It'd be, it's human couldn't do it. As I said, I'm pretty strong. Um, yeah, we can't we can't push it anywhere near that far in. Right. So they're all all about the same length, as in depth, pushed in. Yeah. Yes. About yep. ten centimeters, and they're all yep. a similar size. Like it's, as in the the thickness was about about a finger. <laughs> yeah, within reason. I wouldn't say they're you could you know be identical, but uh, within reason, they're they're all all pretty much the the same size, yes, yep. You know, were you finding like tiny little thin twigs or big chunky branches shoved into the ground as well or, or just no, the sticks? No, just the sticks. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What, what, a, what a, I just remembered what actually started all this for him to look was we he um, come across a little trail and a tree was snapped about oh, a metre or a bit more, 1,200 off the ground, and it's a fairly sizeable tree. It would have been at least a 15-centimetre diameter tree, and it's just been snapped and laid down and faced up the trail. And there was other trees next to it. None of them have been touched, but there's just this one tree the reason why we took notice of that was going back to our Blue Mountains trip in 2018. Um, we parked up in the Wollongai Forest, just drove, 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 found a spot. Um, if anybody knows the area it's in the Wollongai, there's three massive big water tanks on a hill and there's a bit of a clearing, so we... That was our spot. We just decided to stop there. I think it's the Hunter Main Trail. And uh, we'd never really had any massive evidence of Yowies. We were actually up there for big cats, to be honest. That was our thing. But, yeah, so we set up camp and just on dusk, a tree knocked just behind us and, we looked up and mm. and someone said to me before we went, oh, if you you'll hear tree knocks and you'll see a they, they might sometimes point a uh, smash a tree or uh, break a tree and point it towards your camp and I discounted that I was as I said I was more up for looking for big cats and stuff like that but yeah so we heard tree knocks. And that went on for probably about three hours around us. And that scared us a bit at that time. Then they just you know, slowly petered off. You could hear them going off into the distance. 
How many uh, knocks at the same time? Would you just get one and then would did you get another knock from another area answering yes, yeah. that one? Yeah, and we actually were getting from three different areas. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit we were, spooky, isn't it? We were getting triangulated. You could hear it. Yeah. It was just one nearby, uh, one, yeah, 200 metres away, and then right in the distance, could even be a kilometre away, I'm not certain. You could just hear hear one knock back. Yeah. How, so um, how, many, how many people were you? How many... Have Just you, me and a, me and the mate, yeah. You and one, a mate, and yep, one car, yep. And the wood knocks were just single knocks, or were they double knocks or triple knocks? Single knocks. Single knocks, right? Yep, yep. All all single knocks. But yeah, I just I went on for about three hours until yeah, and you could just hear them slowly going off further and further into the bush, and then yeah, you couldn't really hear them again after that. So that was our. Yeah, we first yeah we thing. Then a couple of days later, we come back, and I can't remember which caves they were. I think the Wombian caves. Uh-huh. There's um, a large oval where you're not meant to camp on. It's just like a equivalent to a football oval, and you camp around the edges, and it's got a um, a kitchen area, and and that I think that's the Wombian caves. That I'm thinking of, but yeah, we're we're sitting there and um, freezing cold, setting up camp, lit a fire. Then yeah, about the same time, just on dusk, tree knock, and this you know we were the only ones there, and there were a group of twenty five, thirty kangaroos that are on this oval, and they absolutely went into a panic. They they was like. Yeah, I've never seen kangaroos that scared before. And as they'd start running in another direction, there'd be a tree knock from somewhere else. And they were just panicking that much that they were falling over each other, smashing into each other. Something, whatever was knocking, really, really, really scared these kangaroos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the, for them to be that panicked. Yep. And um, when I look, I've, there was a a story I think on one of Dean's sites where a guy was bow hunting in that area, and um, he was quietly walking along. All of a sudden, he heard a loud rustling in a eucalyptus area, and a yeah, we walked out with a kangaroo slumped over its you know over its shoulder and and uh, took one look at him and. And just kept on walking. So that that's in a very similar area from where we heard these, yeah, the the tree knocks and the kangaroos. Yeah, I've as I said, I've been camping since I've been eight, and I've never, never ever seen kangaroos react that way to anything. Was it the the tree knock and they instantly reacted, or do you yes, think they yep. had smelled something? No, nah, tree knock instantly. They were happy until till, till the tree knock. I wonder. So they, if it if it was Yowie that's making those the tree knocks, which is you know potentially, then yep. I wonder why they clearly weren't hunting the kangaroos at that stage because if they they would have known that by making that noise they're going to scatter the ruse. Well, um, we we were thinking because we were down on the oval, maybe they were hunting. But if they do a tree knock, the kangaroos. We're trying to get back up into the bush, ah. away from the tree knocks. Yes, and as the kangaroos got to a certain area, they'd tree knock in a different area. There'd be another one tree knocking, and it had, and it was like they're corralling them back to a, another area again, where they probably were standing but not doing any noise. Yeah, yep, that makes sense. Definitely yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Herding them, corralling them, actually is the perfect word for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really what it seemed like to us, and yeah, so that was our Blue Mountains, uh, yeah, we experience. Did the tree knock sound like it was being made by another piece of wood or a rock or a, well, an open hand? Or definitely not an open hand. We in daylight the next day in in both places we tried to replicate it and could not. 
I tried a rock on a stick, a, a log. I couldn't quite – the closest I could come to it was a, a dead standing tree with a, 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 a log that I had which was basically as big as my hand could hold. And if I hit it on the dead standing tree, it made a similar noise, but that was the closest we could get to it. Right. So it was definitely a, a big, thick, chunky piece of wood yeah. that was being yeah. hefted. And, yeah. yeah. So the the guy that I go camping with, um, I don't think you'll ever get him on the phone, but when we're in our 50s now, when he was about 17, 18, he was shooting with his uncles and a couple of guys who were up from the um, – they were actually army guys who were up on leave and they were shooting around near the amphitheatre Ararat area. They were sitting down about 3 o'clock in the morning just having a cigarette and they could actually hear a thud, thud, thud and they – what was that? And they, they were sitting down behind a log to keep out of the breeze and when they stood up and shone the spotlight there was a – they reckon about eight to nine foot yowie walking up this hill and when it looked at him it had bright red eyes yeah. and um, it just looked at him and then turned around and just headed up the hill and they, it was just a quicker walk. It wasn't running after it had seen him and just thud, thud, thud and uh, they knew they'd come down that hill earlier and they knew there was a farmer's fence on top and they thought, oh, this will be interesting. And it just walked over the farmer's fence in its normal steps. And, You're right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was the two army guys, yeah, they absolutely panicked and left and <laughs> yeah, everybody else had to leave because, yeah, that scared them, scared them a lot. Yeah, well, I, I don't blame them really. I I probably would have had the same the same reaction. It's It's one thing... Well, it's just it's the whole thing. But seeing a yowie, but the glowing red eyes, I would, I've often thought. I haven't seen them myself, but I've often thought that would be terrifying because it 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 it, it sort of speaks to that, you know, maybe it's a demon or something evil, and we've got these this this Hollywoodized kind of version of of what the devil might be or what a demon might be, and we usually depict them with glowing red eyes. So, uh, I I always thought that seeing those glowing red eyes in real life would be particularly scary. Well, if you've got time, I've got another little story. Um, yeah, sure. We, uh, I moved to Macedon for work for a while, a little while, and I can't remember the what years or whatever it was, but one of our kids got sick, so we had him in the Ballarat Base Hospital because we knew the Ballarat Base Hospital, and that, and we were travelling from the Ballarat Base Hospital up to Macedon. Basically, we left the hospital one night about one o'clock in the morning. We drove from Ballarat to Bacchus Marsh, and then was taken to Bacchus Marsh to um, I can't think of the Wood End type area. There's a real long, steep hill that goes up through through that, and I think there's a couple of reservoirs each side of there, sort of. It's fairly rugged, mountainous. I don't think there was many houses back then. This is going back probably 28, 30 years ago. So, yeah, so we're driving along, my wife, me, and our other two kids were asleep in the back of the car. We're driving along at probably a little bit over the speed limit. I've always liked my lights because I love driving at night. So my lights lit up stuff probably a kilometre away with, you know, um, you know, how the reflectors light up about a kilometre away. So as we're climbing up this hill out of Bacchus Marsh, a little bit drizzle and we're driving along. You can see the reflectors on the signposts and they'd mown the grass back that, you know, two metres from the roadside back to the signpost and then it was fairly long grass behind the the uh, the white post with the reflectors on. So we're driving along and there's one particular one in my head as we're 
half a kilometre away and I could see it, it looked like it was down on the ground. I thought, oh, someone's knocked it over. But for some reason, I was fixated on it. And as we got up next to it, this, for want of a better word, uh, dog man, uh, we'll call it that, leapt from a standing start, so two metres, so it was, it was crouched down low because its eye, we could only see one eye, and it was bright red, the same as the reflectors, and it launched itself from behind where the, the long grass was, so about two metres from the road, it launched itself at the car as we were driving past. And if I probably would have been doing the speed limit, it probably would have hit us. All I remember was the bright red eyes, a really long snout like a lassie dog, so pointed and really long. But I remember the teeth on it were abnormally white and really long, like uh, at the time I reckon they were three and a half inches long, the, the main canine, sharp teeth. And it, it had really shaggy, dirty, matted hair and it just launched itself as we were driving past. And I stupidly, not even thinking that much, I had the spotlight in the car, in the boot of the car. I pulled to a stop and I said to the wife, what did you see? Just before you say, before I say, what did you see? And she said exactly the same thing, bright red eyes, real long pointy snout, massively long, abnormally white teeth and matted hair. And I was sitting in the car, uh, one o'clock in the morning, bit drizzle, thinking, do I get out and have a look at the spotlight? And I because I had the other kids in the car, I decided not to, and we headed off and left. So... I don't know what that was. Oh, wow, Paul. Okay, I need to ask you a few more questions about this one too. So what, what year was it? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember, but uh, my son's now 35, so he would have been five. So say about 28, 30 years ago. So you're over near the Ballarat Base Hospital driving back towards Macedon? Yeah, so we, we drove along the highway so down to Bacchus Marsh, so Ballarat, Bacchus Marsh. Then halfway through Bacchus Marsh, you turn left. So, yeah, it's, just, it's a road that goes from uh, basically you can get along that road from Bacchus Marsh to uh, Woodend around that way. And it goes up and there's a couple of reservoirs up the top. And from memory, there was about two houses only at the time around that area, but not near where we saw. It was probably about three-quarters of a kilometre from where the nearest house was, where this thing jumped out at us. So, yeah. But it was just the the burning red eyes that were almost identical to the reflectors, but it was down low. And that's in my head I was thinking, ah, someone's knocked over a signpost, but there must have been something telling me to, that wasn't quite right, and and I was sort of half fixated on what that was until we got up next to it, and there, yeah, it jumped from the yeah the left hand side of the shoulder of the road about two meters back, and uh, yeah, launched itself and just about ripped off the front bumper bar of the car. Did it end up? No, it didn't touch. We didn't we were touch going the car. we were going a bit fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't tell anyone that. No. <laughs> um, no. So what did you, what made you think dog man instead of just a, to be honest, a big to be, German shepherd or something like that? A dog man, I've never heard of it. Um, this was only just a recent thing that I've put that name to it. At the time, I thought, is it a wild dog? But it was huge. It was like human size, like if it stood up, it would it felt like it would have been about five foot, six foot tall. And just the colour of the the eyes, they were, they were, as I said, they were like the reflectors, but it had a more of a burning orange tinge to them than the reflector, just slightly. 
Was it on all fours or two legs? When it was crouching, we you couldn't see it, but its its eye was that low. I'm guessing it's it was crouching down very low, and then yeah, it's just it's just pounced straight at us. Right, so, we, but, but, so it's 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 used its it's pounced. It's hard to see whether it's actually getting around on two legs or four because no, it's, no, it's crouched I, I, down on all fours to start with. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. And if at the time I also like we've again we've had dogs all my whole life, um, and I've never actually seen a dog pounce from. A, a, basically a crouch like a cat does quite easily. It, you know, it can crouch and, and, and bound a fair distance without – I don't reckon I've ever seen a dog really do it in a long distance where it's been crouched down on all fours and tried to launch. I don't think dogs can do that. When it launched, were you able to see – so were its front legs or arms, whatever they were, were they stretched out or was that too hard to see? I, To be honest, I actually I don't actually remember seeing front paws or arms at all. I think I was just fixated on this massive white, abnormally white, long teeth and I don't know how I saw the, the shaggy... Hair. I'm not certain how I saw that, but I don't remember seeing any arms or paws or legs. And it leapt from from about two meters away from the car. Yep, yep. And, and, and came in front of the car or behind the car. It it was. Um, it didn't come in front of us at all. Um, we'd gone past it by the time it would have got to the roadside, if that makes sense. So, yeah, if we, as I said, if we were going to the normal speed limit or a bit slower, um, it definitely would have hit us because, yeah, it was coming through about just a bit above bonnet height as we we, we could see it as it was coming through. But, yeah, we, we'd gone past and it would have landed behind us. Was the surrounding terrain, was there, was it forest around there or was it clear, yeah, cleared yeah. land? No, it's, forest. It's, it's very, very thick forest, yep. Yep. And did it then, or what happened after it launched and you, you'd whizz no, past? To- totally, totally lost it. Yep. Didn't see it again. And there was something, but there was something about it that that made you feel that's that's not a normal dog. Yes, yeah. the The eyes for a start, the glowing red eyes, like the that, and the abnormally long white teeth, just weren't. As I said, I've yeah, I've never ever had a day in my life where I haven't had a dog, um, sort of thing. So yeah, I'm pretty much used to dogs, greyhounds, from fox terriers right through to greyhounds, stuff like that. Um, we've always had a dog. Or, or many dogs in the family, and yeah, they've just never ever seen teeth that white or that long. But it was in a yeah, like a a collie dog snout, but the rest of it was a lot larger in proportion to the the snout. The snout was yeah, it didn't really suit the face. Right, so it's. It seemed too small for the face, did it? Um, it was um, just too narrow. Okay, so, right. So, so it was still it was very long, but it was just it seemed too narrow for like you know, if you think of a collie dog, or that they're relatively streamlined in the face. Um, but yeah, no, this is this was had a fairly fairly large face, but yeah, the the nose was long and thin and pointed. Could you see whether it was a, a black or a brown or was that too hard to make out? It, from what we could see, it was like a um, a grey, browny but matted. At one stage, everybody used to have mohair jumpers 
that, that, mm-hmm. that, that yep, I remember. <laughs> and they were that colour and um, yep. yeah, the, the, the grey, the grey brown colour mixed in together. It was exactly like that, but it was a lot longer. The, the fur would have been, or the, yeah, fur, um, I'd have to say at least three or four inches long because it was really matted and and pretty scraggy looking. It wasn't a neat, it wasn't neat at all. And you reckoned it was five to six feet off the ground on all fours? Um, uh, I'm just trying to think how I'd explain it. Um, going by the size of what it's, I could see of the body where I got the colour of the fur from and the surround around the head, I, that's the only thing I could estimate it on how big it physically was. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't actually see anything to give me an idea of. I didn't actually visualise the whole length of it or anything like that. I'm just going by the upper torso that I saw and the size of the face. Okay. Yeah. 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 Did Did you notice the ears? No. No. Weirdly enough, at the moment, I keep hearing Dogman reports and for such a long time we didn't get any, we rarely heard any reports about a, a, dog, a dog-headed bipedal creature. I just This morning I just spoke to Jack Carey, who's a, a cryptozoologist in the United States, and we had a long talk about Dogman and... Uh, and then my show this week was was about Dogman and last week, <laughs> and uh, and I was not expecting you to to uh, tell me that bit at the end because that's yeah. um, that's really yeah. interesting. I'm mystified as to what's yeah. going on. Yeah, no, that one was a a bit weird. And as I said, I stopped the car in the middle of the road, and I just looked at the wife and said, "Tell me what you saw. Don't I'm not going to say a word. You just tell me exactly what you saw." Just so I knew that I wasn't going crazy, or I'm, you know, how you miss see something. And believe me, she is the biggest skeptic. And uh, if I, if anybody asks her now, that did not happen. She, she, uh, yeah, is a biggest skeptic about Yowie's spirits, anything like that. If it's not in a a book that it taught at school, it never happened. Right, right. So clearly she wasn't making up that. She definitely saw the same thing you saw. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was one of my new transition monster roars. What did you think of that? (laughs) And that was Paul. What did you make of the strange dog-like creature with glowing red eyes and and three-and-a-half-inch canine teeth? Would you stop and get out of the car and check it out? I probably would if I had company, but there's no way I would if I was by myself. And if you have any idea what the mysterious invisible being or entity that Paul encountered in the Capertee Valley was, please reach out and get in touch with me so I can share your knowledge with Paul and the listeners. Remember, if you've had a sighting, whether it be a Yowie, a little fella, other cryptid creatures or something in the paranormal realm, something mysterious, I would love to talk to you and I know that the Yowie Central listeners would love to hear your story. Get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. I seem to be getting a few messages via Instagram lately and while I wasn't really using it before because it's yet another social media app and I struggle to keep up with all of them, I know quite a few people are not fans of Facebook or Messenger. So you can send me messages on Instagram if you like. I don't check it every single day, but uh, if you're patient, I will find it and get back to you. I'm also on Twitter sometimes, so you can message me via that too. I do prefer email though, as it's way easier for me to keep track of all the incoming messages and people that I need to get back to. And let me tell you, there's a lot. 
I would prefer if you don't know me personally, if you didn't friend me on Facebook. I sort of keep that as my my private friend group. Um, So if you do want to send me a message via that app, just send me a messenger message rather than a, a friend request. It's not because I don't like you or don't want to be your friend. It's just because I've had uh, the odd person who's requested a friendship. I've said yes, but then they've been a bit stalkery. So I'm trying to put up a little boundary around my personal private stuff. Well, that's all I've got for you today, folks. Yowie Central will be back next Wednesday. I'll catch you then. Stay safe. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Spine. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to do.